Hello and welcome. This is the last part, part four of Bhagavad Gita series, in which I take closer look at chapters 14 to 18 of Bhagavad Gita. Once again, a lot of exciting information in this episode. Krishna teaches how the Supreme Self lives within the creation. He talks more about gunas, so if you felt lost what they are before, you are going to have a clarity about them right now. We learn how to avoid demonic people and circumstances, and finally set concrete examples for renunciation and selfless service. Hello, my name is Zita Harkaran and welcome to Sadhana and Books, a podcast about spiritual practice and wisdom. While this podcast is intended to be listened to, there exists an experiential part of Sadhana and Books on Patreon. We practice early morning sadhana and lead book discussions. Krishna has been mentioning in last few chapters the three gunas, sattvic, rajasic and tamasic, and compare them to what we normally call the three forces that work in the universe. Uh, Guru Nanak calls them the creative one, sustaining one and destructive one. Or G-O-D, generating, organizing, delivering principle or destroying principle. And in our modern science language, we can actually call them a positive charge, negative charge and neutral charge. Everything in this creative universe is made out of atoms and atoms are made out of those three particles. And their interactions with one another create life and change within the life, whether it is the life that is organic or inorganic. When there is no charge between these particles, there is no life. Right? Life becomes motionless. Nothing happens. So this is a very good way to understand the gunas. They are, just as Krishna previously claimed, he created them, but he is not in them. They are just principles that move the universe. Let's take a look at chapter 14. Forces of Evolution. If you are the type of person that's interested in metaphysics and potential order of the universe, you will love this and maybe you will find the answer to the way the universe is organized. And Krishna starts talking about organizing of the universe and evolution of the universe as a womb and the seed. So he calls the Prakriti as the womb in which the seed is placed. Prakriti is all material reality, all the atoms in the existence. And then the seed is the divine supreme self, unchanging self that is intermingled with that material reality. The glue that holds these two very distinct particles and parts of the universe together are the gunas. Krishna says, 
It is the three gunas born of Prakriti, Sattva, Rajas and Tamas that bind the immortal self to the body. And so in this chapter he talks more about each of these gunas and their qualities. So let's start again, you know. Sattva is the pure and luminous quality, neutral quality. It is attachment to happiness and wisdom. It's maybe the closest to the immortal self, yet it is not quite the immortal self. When it dominates, quote, light of wisdom shines through every gate of the body. The fruit of the sattva are good deeds. The rajas are associated with passion and selfish desire. There is an attachment to compulsive action and when the raja dominates, quote, a person runs about pursuing selfish and greedy ends. The fruit of the raja is suffering. Then we have tamas. Tamas is creates ignorance and confuses things and induces sleep and delusion. When it dominates, quote, a person lives in darkness, slothful, confused, and easily infatuated. The fruit that tamas create is the ignorance. All of life is combination of these forces. There are some people who have rajas as their dominant force. There are people focused on their careers, they are focused on what they have to gain, they are focused on self-preservation and always climbing uh, career ladders or any type of ladders without realizing that they are living in strife. Sattvic people, on the other hand, are people who are able to find peace in their life. They have strong faith and they meditate. They're not easily swayed one way or the other. And Tamasic people like to relax. They don't want to work very hard. They make a lot of mistakes and spread confusion. And here Krishna makes a very interesting observation. He says that, again, whatever the state of mind you have died, that is the predominant guna that you will be born into. Arjuna is not happy with this deterministic point of view. He wants to know if it's possible to go beyond the gunas and not be affected by them. Are there people that can do that? And the answer is yes, very much. Uh, there is a way. And it's what Krishna has been telling us all along. It's these people who can overcome the gunas, are unmoved by pain and pleasure, riches or poverty. They are even unmoved by the harmony of sattva. Yeah? So that's something to think about. Whatever you think that maybe you were kind of cursed into a rajasic family, right? That pushes you to work and climb career ladders and show up in your ego and um, create something in the world you can overcome because that's that's life of suffering unfortunately 
It is because you are always climbing somewhere and never getting anywhere, never enjoying your life. So you can overcome it by creating this meditative state of mind where you are not affected by whether people tell you good things about yourself or whether they say bad things about about yourself. Where you are not affected by the riches or the, or the poverty. That's hard, but it is possible to do. Chapter 15. The Supreme Self. I'm going to try to explain the Supreme Self and its connection to the world as best as I can as I understand this chapter. If you take a look at all reality that you can sense, enjoy, think about, that you know that exists even though you can't see it, that is beyond our reach, if you take all of that, still you'll not be able to grasp its essence. Essence is something that flows through it. It is in everything at once. Essence is the embodiment of the soul and consciousness. Essence is what flows in and out when you are born or when you die. Quote, self enters and leaves the body and takes these characteristics along as the wind carries a scent from place to place. That's a really helpful metaphor as a scent. Imagine your soul leaving the body as a scent of a flower. Also, how you understand the Supreme Self is depending on the gunas that is predominant in your body. So, for example, those people with strong tamasic elements are ignorant and don't see the self enjoying in itself in the life and in the gunas. Yet, when you sit completely still in meditation, you calm this mind and body made out of prakriti and gunas. And in that space, you can feel your own divine consciousness. It's the most peaceful and tranquil state you can feel the presence of the great soul living within you. I'm quoting Krishna now. With a drop of my energy, I enter the earth and support all creatures. Through the moon, the vessel of life-giving fluid, I nourish all plants. I enter breathing creatures and dwell within the life-giving breath. I am the fire in the stomach that digests the food. Entering into every heart, I give the power to remember and understand. It is I, again, who take that power away. So we talked about the two elements, Prakriti, which is always changing, always recreating itself, and then another quality of the changeless self the undestructible self. Yet there is a third quality. And this third quality is the supreme self that goes beyond the changing and the changeless. 
And that is what supports everything. Chapter 16. Two Paths. You know the story of two wolves? The story goes that within you and within every person, there are two wolves. One is bad and one is good. And which one wins depends which one you are going to feed. So in a similar way, Krishna sets up two paths. One is divine that leads to freedom and one is demonic and leads to bondage. Quote, Be fearless and pure. Never waver in your determination or your dedication to the spiritual life. Give freely. Be self-controlled, sincere, truthful, loving and full of desire to serve. This is the good part, of course. What makes a person more and more inhuman is hypocrisy, arrogance, conceit, anger, cruelty, ignorance. This is highly fascinating chapter to me, in which Krishna describes how demonic people live. But let's define demonic quality according to Krishna. He defines it uh, he calls demonic people those who do everything in reverse. They do the things they should avoid and avoid things they should do. That's why the symbol of Satanism is a reverse pentacle, among other reverse symbols. Demonic, according to Krishna, is greed and ego that chases us to possess things. They take from others to exploit the earth. It seems he's simply just describing our current economic system. Krishna says, I got this today, they say. Tomorrow I shall get that. This wealth is mine. And that will be mine too. I have destroyed my enemies. I shall destroy others too. Am I not like a god? I enjoy what I want. I am successful, I am powerful, and I am happy. This is how these demonic people talk and behave according to Krishna. Okay, have you not heard someone talk like that? So many people, right? It seems like it's everywhere, this kind of talk. So this is completely normal to us, but he calls it demonic. This is the kind of attitude we live in every day and we don't even realize that this is what is leading us to suffering and keeping us in bondage. When Europeans came into the new world, they were all of a sudden faced with completely different attitude to life, completely different set of rules, morals, and ideas. Actually, the natives perceive Europeans as insane, dirty, cruel people who for the little bit of silver would put women into prostitution and children into poverty. There is a very valuable account of a French aristocrat named Baron de La Hontan who spent many years in the New World and when he returned to France, he wrote a book about it, published in 1703 by the name New Voyages to New America. 
Besides giving us detailed description of beavers and buffaloes, La Hontan also offered an extensive dialogue with the native Huron called Adario, but mostly it was a real historical person named Kandiarong. Kandiarong was a highly curious Huron who learned French language, even traveled to Paris and Versailles, and La Hontan and Adario became fast friends and spent many hours talking and arguing about God, state of the affairs, money, women, and customs. In one of these conversations, which are very entertaining and I would recommend you to read them, they, in one conversation, you know, La Hontan, the French guy saying, look, you're, you guys are painting faces, like this is so barbaric. And he's like, well, and you are wearing powder and wigs on your hair. <laughs> what is more barbaric here? <laughs> this is what Adario or Kandi Arang is saying, perceiving the French. He says, I have spent six years reflecting on a state of European society, and I still can think of a single way they act that it's not inhuman. And I genuinely think this can only be the case as long as you stick to your distinctions of mine and thine. I affirm that what you call money is the devil of devils, the tyrant of the French, the source of all evils, the bane of souls, and the slaughterhouse of the living. To imagine one can live in a country of money and preserve one's soul is like imagine one could preserve one's life at the bottom of a lake. Money is the father of luxury, lasciviousness, intrigues, trickery, lies, betrayal, and insincerity. Of all the world's worst behavior. Fathers sell their children, husbands their wives, wives betray their husbands, brothers kill each other, friends are false, and all because of money. In the light of all this, tell me what we, Huron, are not right in refusing to touch or as much as look at silver. But back to Krishna. Krishna says that the gate to this demonic behavior is through lust, greed, and anger. So what does Krishna as a Lord of the Universe can do about it? Krishna says that life after life he throws these people into the wombs of people with similar degraded and demonic nature. And they keep abusing his presence in their bodies as well as his presence in other people's bodies. Sure, you can say greed will always exist. Greed is part of the creation. Last has its purpose. Anger is a valuable emotion. But these qualities should be treated like a precious spice in food, and they should not overpower the natural flavor of life. Krishna says, those that are driven by these desires, which are designed to be treated with moderation, completely miss the essence of life and in this way miss on happiness and success. So when the French aristocrat named La Hontane is ridiculing Hurons for sleeping on the ground under the beaver's skin, 
Candia Rang points out that some people in France don't even have ground they can call their own, nor the warm beaver skin to shield them from cold or rain. And also he adds, what does it matter what you sleep on as long as you are sleeping comfortably? Even these days there are people sleeping on golden four-poster beds with $10,000 mattresses, among all the other comforts they can even imagine, yet they still can get a good, comfortable sleep. How are we missing the essence of life? Chapter 17, Power of Faith. Okay, yes, this chapter will speak to those who join me for our month-long cleanse practices. Because every year for past seven years, I have been leading classic yogi clans and also green energy experience. And what we experience in those cleanses is a complete change of state of your mind, of your energy level, just due to shifting of what we are eating and how we are eating. So just like the whole universe is made out of three gunas so is your body and the nature and attitude and even your destiny is shaped by the foods you eat even your destiny okay so sattvic people like to eat light foods that make them feel happy and light they perform sacrifices with ease and are fully immersed in them. They understand the easy flow of life and are able to shift in any way they need. They eat fresh foods, they eat light foods. The Rajasic people like spicy and highly stimulating foods. And, but when they perform sacrifices, they're always looking for something to gain. So when they're doing maybe meditations or they're giving something to someone, they're like, mm, what is this going to bring me and so on. Tamasic people like foods that are stale, with low nutritional value, no prana. They're not able to follow practices correctly and don't have much faith in anything really. The sattvic foods are the fresh foods that grow above the ground, they are picked fresh, eaten fresh. Uh, of course, they don't include the dead animals. Rajasic foods can include these fresh foods, but they're just overly spiced, right? They're just like garlicky, peppery, that includes coffee and all the other stimulants, right? And then Tamasic foods are the foods that uh, are literally decomposing. <laughs> like, for example, there's blue cheese, which is already has mold growing in it. Or actually consider as tamasic are um, like sauerkraut or pickles. Um, their essence is as if like preserved, right? Uh, but also tamasic is also food that uh, the, it's in the can that is frozen that's something to consider if you want to feel different and even maybe change your future so what we do in our cleanses is for a month we eliminate all the foods that we normally eat 
and just eat fresh fruits and veggies. Chapter 18, Freedom and Renunciation. This is the last chapter of Bhagavad Gita. So what are the messages that Krishna wants to leave us with? So far, Krishna has shared a lot of advice with Arjuna. And in this chapter, once again, he comes back to the notion of selfless action, not taking credit for your work, and what's also known as renunciation. But how can we really do this? How can we live selflessly and serve in a selfless way and then not take the credit for any of our work? Um, many wise men, including Lao Tzu, compare this kind of action with motherhood. And I find this metaphor or this comparison very helpful to imagine selfless service. Because ideally, in parenthood, parents perform all sorts of work for their children. They go to work, they buy them things, they drive them to soccer, clothe them, clean them, and they do it for many years without once asking a child for anything in return. This is selfless action. Many parents are humble too and they don't take the credit for who their children become later in life. So, but of course, you know, not everyone is a perfect parent and some are more selfish than the others. And even Krishna himself admits that perfect action does not exist. But the main reason why Krishna is driving this point about renunciation of action to disclose is so that we understand that we are not separate agents that create everything. That's why we should never take credit for anything. Because there are certain elements that have to come together for you to create something. Just like with the child, right? There are just so many unknown elements, divine will included, that have to work so that this can happen. Once again, it depends on the guna, how you understand this aspect of life. So, unfortunately, tamasic people are not able to see clearly and they mistake one small part for the whole. Rajasic people are not able to see how things work together. Rather, they only perceive separate pieces as if working side by side. And sattvic intellect is able to perceive the indestructible self in all things. The problem is that no one is really free from the influence of the gunas. Some people have more of one type than the other. And this is where the background for the social order in India comes from, which is kind of sad. Some people are the Brahmins, who are the supposedly sattvic people, who just kind of uh, say prayers for others. And then there are those that are warriors and tradesmen, they are more rajasic. And then there is a service class who is more tamasic. Once again, we don't want to get into that. But this is where the idea of the class system in India comes from. 
Apart from this, Krishna has a more interesting point to make. He says that no matter what you do, or what your job is, or what your duties are, do it fully, devote yourself to it, and in this way you'll gain perfection and fulfillment. What comes to mind is a, a sushi chef that is not reinventing sushi every day, but he devotes time, patience and attention to perfecting his technique. In one documentary I watched, the sushi chef admitted to talking to fish to see whether the particular fish wants to be grilled, served fresh or safe for later. This is their way to, as Krishna says, worship the creator who dwells in every creature. Yet still, people can come over to the sushi restaurant and blame the chef for exploiting the seas and the oceans due to overfishing. Should the sushi chef now close the restaurant? Or maybe a food critic comes over and says, this is the worst sushi I ever tasted. Should the sushi chef throw away his apron and never step into the kitchen again? Most of us would say no, and Krishna agrees. He says, very important piece of wisdom that we can all use in our life and remember, and that is, every action, every activity is surrounded by defects as fire is surrounded by smoke. At the end, Krishna makes one more attempt to remind us to live in the simplicity, meditation, and be self-reliant. Make every act an offering to me. Regard me as your protector and you will come to me. And you will overcome all obstacles. He says, see the unity and divinity in all life. Meditate on these sacred words and don't force them on those who are not ready to hear them. Krishna has taught a lot in Bhagavad Gita, but the most important teachings he repeats over and over. They have to deal with selfless service, devotion, meditation, humbleness and simplicity. At the end, we hear Arjuna reply, You have dispelled my doubts and delusions, and I understand through your grace. My fate is firm now, and I will do your will. This is Bhagavad Gita as I read it and understood it. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it and found some clarity or consolation in it. You can let me know if some of the words of Krishna has inspired you or helped you in some way. You can email me at zitaharkaran at gmail.com. Please, if you like this episode, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere you listen. You can also join our Patreon for weekly messages, meditations and our fun book club. Talk to you next time. Bye.